So you always want to be prepared to... To set goals. To be really disruptive. Diversity is fundamental. It is just trusting those super strengths. To recover from those failures and, and learn from them. Humility looks like the softest word, but it's kind of the hardest. We ourselves are in beta mode. Life goes on. Sporting Edge, inside the mind of champions. Welcome to the Inside the Mind of Champions podcast. My name is Jeremy Snape. I'm a former England cricketer with a master's degree in sports psychology. Since retiring, I've been fortunate to work with and interview some of the world's most successful thinkers and performers. And I'm passionate about translating their habits and routines into practical strategies to help you become more successful. In each episode, I'll be dissecting a common performance challenge to help you improve your mindset, your leadership and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier. So let's find out why. Hello and welcome to today's show, Breaking Bias. I don't know about you, but I've watched what's going on in the world over the last week and I've felt a strange combination of shock, deep sadness and confusion. The news footage coming from Minnesota with the death of George Floyd was appalling on so many levels. It was no surprise there's been a global reaction of protest with people taking to the streets. It's almost like the frustration of the last three months of lockdown have erupted onto the streets around this emotive, unifying cause. Hundreds of thousands of people of all races have signalled their outrage at what's happened. But for the black community, it's happened again. Then in the days that have followed, we've had yet more violence from the police on innocent people. I saw one girl had been shot in the face by a rubber bullet and an old man getting knocked to the floor, cutting his head and getting concussion. It really makes you worry about our humanity. It may feel that this podcast is a week late and maybe I've been too busy to pull my thoughts together, but that's not the case. I think like many people, I was shocked and needed time to reflect on how best to turn my anger and frustration into something more considered, which I hope can be valuable to you. When these kind of things happen, I tend to listen rather than shout and I look inside at my own beliefs rather than trying to judge other people. Sadly, this isn't something that any single one of us can fix and I'm certainly not in a position to empathise deeply with the community that have been worst hit by this or to tell people what to do. But I can share what's in my head and I can also share some of the insights from our database of research and stories from Sporting Edge over the last decade. I'm going to share a few with you today to see if we can find something that moves us from this reflection into action following this tragedy. So here's a taster of what's to come. That's an important first step, because once you recognise that bias isn't, isn't about other people being prejudiced or bias, it's actually me, then actually then we're in, a, we're in a better state then to be able to say, I'm going to take responsibility for it. But some of those rules we've learned are actually faulty. And one of those faulty rules we've learned is stereotypes. And I think actively choosing difference is a brave decision. It's a courageous decision, but it's ultimately a sensible and productive decision if you want to get better. Uh, results as a consequence. 
So when we hear these tragedies, we hear the undertone of this being an isolated case, one rogue officer and an unfortunate man in a fatal twist of fate. Now, I know the majority of our police, military and emergency services around the world are people of high integrity out there doing an amazing job in some of the most stressful and dangerous situations. But as we've heard on the news, this isn't isolated. This is systemic. There have been tens of video clips circulating on the social platforms over the last few weeks of exactly the same incidents where police officers have used their position of power to abuse their authority. Racism and prejudice have been in every society for thousands of years. But for all of our advances in technology, space travel and medicine, we haven't made a huge amount of progress in this fundamental aspect of our humanity. I wanted to step back from the scenes of the looting shops and the tear gas and the flashpoints to reflect quietly on our psychology. How do we create these binary beliefs that lay dormant until that spark of conflict brings them racing to the fore? Well, the source is what psychologists call bias, the long-held beliefs that we have about the world and that have been shaped from our early years. I'm interested in this subject from a performance perspective as well. And to make sense of this bigger societal issue, I went to meet Professor Bina Candola, who's a world-renowned psychologist and author of Racism in the Workplace, The Danger of Indifference, and his wife, Dr. Joe Candola, who's an expert in gender bias and the founder of Bias Gym, which aims to help us eradicate our bias. In this first insight from our performance zone, Joe Candola explains what our bias is and how it impacts our thinking and our personal and team performance. Bias can be defined as a, uh, a set of learnt habits, habits of the mind. That's, that's one of the ways it's described in the literature. So our brains have learnt to react to the world in certain ways and sometimes that is absolutely needed and necessary in order to navigate the volume of information we deal with. But some of those rules we've learnt are actually faulty. And one of those 40 rules we've learned is stereotypes. And so for gender, we've learned that actually when, you, when, when women are associated with these traits and men are associated, associated with a separate set of traits. The same with race. We've learned via media and culture that actually black people are often associated with lower intelligence and more violence, whereas actually white people are often associated with very positive stereotypes. These, these are learned from our environments and our brain has learned to categorise people and as soon as we come into contact with anybody from uh, a particular social group, those traits or those stereotypes are automatically activated, often without our awareness and often without our intention to do any uh, negative damage to anybody intentionally. However, um, they, they do get activated, and that's very much what we mean by unconscious bias. They're getting activated immediately. Our brain is activating those categorizations. It's unconscious. We're not aware of it, but it does have an impact on our behaviour. So in terms of um, how, you know, having a bias-free organisation helps the organisation to perform better, we have a talent pool within an organisation, but if you're only looking at certain pockets of that talent pool, you're not always going to get the best people coming through. So predominantly now we look at white men and that's where we draw our talent from. We often ignore women, um, 
black and Asian and ethnic minority individuals. And so there are incredibly, ta- incredibly talented people in those populations too, and we are not tapping into that talent. So at the minute, um, organisations potentially hinder their performance because they have, they're drawing their talent just from one population. And that population isn't necessarily going to always have the best people in it. So really interesting there from Dr. Joe Candola. We learn these beliefs in our early years and they get activated as we navigate new situations to help us save time and energy in our decision making. They're all or nothing rules where people from this group are good and people from the other group are bad. So this sounds great, saving time and energy, but we're not cavemen anymore. The world is much more nuanced than it's ever been. And we need to make sense of complexity and ambiguity in a calm and rational way and not jump to massive binary judgments that shape our future and the future of all those people around us. So whether it's race, gender or age for that matter, we will always have bias or a global rule which can fire instinctively. So let's just take that as a test. If we complete the sentences as I say them, think about the first one or two words that come into your mind. So complete these sentences when I leave the pause. Black people are. Women are. People in the workplace over 60 are. So based on how you filled in those dots, Our bias will affect our choices, our behaviour, and then our performance and our results. But importantly, it'll affect other people's lives that we cast aside because of our bias. They will be ignored in the meeting. They won't be able to voice their opinion. They won't be considered for a promotion and they might not get the job in the first place. So our biases form the lens that we look out onto the world through. And that can be distorted or coloured in each of us. And that affects how we interpret the people and everyday situations around us. So it's absolutely critical for us to take ownership of our mindset and these biases so that we can constantly become more tolerant, more inclusive and more empathic to those we meet and work with. Part of my reflection this week were around the proudest and most fulfilling periods of my career, coming from working with incredibly diverse teams. Of course, it's easy to work with people that are just like ourselves, but when we truly embrace diverse thinking and backgrounds and strategies, amazing things can happen. My two examples were working with the Rajasthan Royals to win the inaugural Indian Premier League in 2008. The players were bought in from an auction from all around the world and put into one room to deliver this shared dream of winning the IPL. It was like this crazy startup energy with people with so much potential and so much to give in the chaos and adulation of the Indian cricket culture that we were trying to navigate. It was a truly magical time. And then also working with the South African cricket team as they harnessed the seven different cultures to get to number one in the test rankings in the world. They realised that if they were going to have a truly world-class culture, that they needed to see their diversity as a strength, not as a weakness. And we used this Swahili philosophy called Ubuntu, 
which is a central driver to their team culture. Nelson Mandela was so passionate about this, and Ubuntu speaks to our timeless human spirit and says that our success in life can't be judged by our house, our car, or our job. But the only way we can judge our success in life is by the impact we have on other people. So that's so profound. And those of you who've listened to episode eight of this podcast, From Mandela to Mars, will have heard two of Nelson Mandela's comrades who were in prison with him for over 20 years in the fight against the racist apartheid regime. Their incredibly emotional stories of sacrifice, solidarity, and this incredibly powerful purpose are so moving and the struggle continues today. It's time to hear from another one of our expert guests now. It's Stephen Frost, who is the head of diversity for the London Olympics back in 2012 and is now a global thought leader and author on diversity with his consultancy Frost Included. His book, The Inclusion Imperative, has some powerful insights in. And one line that stayed with me when I met Stephen was, diversity is the reality, but inclusion is a choice. And I really like that because diversity feels passive. It's like noticing difference out there. Whereas inclusion calls for us to take action, which is much needed if we're going to generate societal change. And in this next insight, Stephen explains why challenging our bias and choosing to be inclusive takes real courage. People can choose to surround themselves with people like them, which is natural and normal and understandable. I mean, think about who your partner is or your lover is. Think about who your friends are and your close friends. Think about where you've chosen to spend your money buying a house and choosing to live. It's natural and normal that we often choose homogeneity and to be surrounded by people like us because that's comfortable and we can have the same jokes, the same humour, the same drinks, the same social life. Or we can choose difference and we can consciously choose to surround ourselves with people who will challenge us, both in terms of our own worldview, in terms of our own view of the world, our own rigour, our own decision-making capacities, our own ability to formulate decisions and to interrogate our own belief systems. And I think actively choosing difference is a brave decision, it's a courageous decision, but it's ultimately a sensible and productive decision if you want to get better uh, results as a consequence. Now clearly there's a balance to be struck, and as leaders we have to decide where that balance is. We can't have complete homogeneity because we're not going to get the best outcome. We can't have complete diversity because it could be chaos to manage. But there's a role for leadership in bringing diversity together, in managing those competing forces, and ultimately getting a team to be the best it can be. So if you've heard some of my earlier podcasts around pressure, you'll remember that our brain is built for safety and not for high performance. So to become a high performer, we have to do something a little bit different and take a risk. The risk to do things differently, to consider different perspectives, and ultimately risk that these may fail, you know, that's going to be pressure. So we feel like we can do it alone, but, you know, we can trust ourselves or people like us. And that's why we choose to either go alone or go with our old style of thinking or surround ourselves with people like us. But the key is to high performance is we need different ideas to come in and help us through that. 
So our bias is there as a crude rule set to keep us safe, to quickly choose people like ourselves in case we get it wrong. But we need leadership to ensure we're recruiting the best talent rather than just clones of ourselves. And we need to be courageous, to be inclusive of different ideas, different perspectives, different genders, different cultures, different age groups, different career experiences. In an uncertain and unknowable world, which we're moving through at the moment, the last thing we need is either to rely on our own thoughts or to create an echo chamber around of us, people who just agree with every word we say. We need this creative challenge. We need this contrast in perspectives to ensure we get the best considered response, not just the fastest or safest, or what we do by our own instinct. So if you're like me and you're interested in this subject, you're probably getting impatient saying, okay, crack on, give me the solution. But sadly, this isn't a quick fix and a few hashtags and blackout images are not going to swing it. This has been an ingrained issue for centuries and we can't pass one law or do one thing that transforms the whole of society. Of course, like any change initiative, we need significant signals and and changes from our leaders and governments above us. But as Professor Bina Candola now explains, there is a strategy we can all use in breaking our bias. And this is where the opportunity lies for us as individuals to make a real change. Well, one of the things that we need to do is actually accept that this isn't somebody else's problem. Um, This is something that I have to take responsibility for and that everybody is biased. Uh, That's an important first step because once you recognise that bias isn't, isn't about other people being prejudiced or biased, it's actually me then actually then we're in, a, we're in a better state then to be able to say, I'm going to take responsibility for it. If I thought about one particular group of people, I had a very negative kind of view. Uh, whether it's a conscious or an unconscious, I mean, there are tests that you can take of unconscious bias on the internet, and you can actually get an idea about whether you have uh, a bias towards or against any group of people. But the research shows that if, if, I, had a, if I had a view that um, a particular group of people um, were were quite evil or something like that actually but but people like me uh, are decent and honest so one group is evil my group is honest Uh, one way one way to kind of break these associations is to think of examples of people in that group who I thought were evil who are good and actually people from my group who are bad you need both the research research seems to you need to think about both you can't just think about the good ones here you need to think about the bad ones here. Actually, just thinking and reflecting on that, that's been found to help break the links uh, between a group of people and a, set of, uh, and a set of characteristics. So that's a punchy challenge from Professor Bina Candola then, that we're all biased. Remember that bias is our lens. This is how we see the world. We all have this complex situation. If we all saw this one multifaceted situation, we'd all interpret it in a slightly different reality because of our lens, because of our bias, the way we've been brought up. So yes, we are all the result of our conditioning, but rather than blaming this on our grandparents, we need to be aware of how our beliefs are set up today and take responsibility for the way our beliefs get shaped in the future. 
And that's what responsibility is, the ability to choose our response. I hope you're enjoying today's episode. I want to introduce you to Sporting Edge's Winning Mindset for Leaders program. It builds on many of today's key themes and explores the 12 factors of great leadership which have emerged from our research into the psychology of high performance. We've interviewed some of the world's highest profile leaders from the military, elite sport and the performing arts to find out how they lead themselves, their teams and their organisations through periods of pressure and uncertainty. Their fascinating personal experiences and strategies have been curated into a pioneering digital coaching programme to accelerate your leadership impact. We've created the programme to be flexible around your busy schedule and you'll be able to apply the case studies and examples directly into your own career to maximise your impact. So learn more about our Winning Mindset for Leaders programme at sportingedge.com. In times of uncertainty, change and pressure, good leadership is a game changer. The Winning Mindset for Leaders is a pioneering digital coaching program which will equip you with the mindset and skills you need to lead yourself, your team and your organisation through turbulent times. With insights from world-class strategists, academics and leaders from elite sport, the military, performing arts and business, these essential skills will keep you ahead of the game. Find out more about this transformational 12-week program at www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com. The winning mindset for leaders. The world spins so fast and the last thing we think of checking is our bias. But for many of us, it's a wise investment of our time and energy and, and issues like the things that have been in the news over the last week bring that to the fore and we should definitely take this time to reconsider our approach. I would always try and help people rather than hurt or shame anyone, but I've made comments and sniggered at jokes and treated people unfairly through the years, I'm sure. I think the key is that it doesn't need to be intentional racism or sexism or being ageist, but it's the subconscious beliefs that we have that then bring out these micro gestures that can be so upsetting to the recipient. And when these micro gestures become the norm across our teams and our organizations, then that affects people's self-esteem, it affects their opportunities and ultimately affects their lives. It's been incredible to see the global outpouring of outrage with thousands of people across the streets of New York and Paris and London. But I wonder what will happen when these heightened emotions fade back to a simmer. It's almost like we're looking for something huge in the news to change the way we all behave. You know, and while there are headlines of black actors not winning awards at the Oscars, it's much more about these day-to-day nuances for millions and millions of people in thousands and thousands of communities which need tackling. So we need to own the problem for ourselves. And change is so important. When we change from the bottom up, as well as looking for those strategic changes from our governments, then society has a chance. And Binna then mentioned the test that you can take online. That's the Harvard implicit test, which we can take to grow our awareness of our own subconscious biases. 
So I'll put the show notes together for you and I'll make sure there's a link for you to go there if that's something you're interested in doing. But I love that exercise of looking for conflict within our own beliefs. It's an interesting way of reprogramming these binary judgments. So we're not just looking for the obvious people who contradict these long-held stereotypes around race, gender and age, like Martin Luther King or Oprah Winfrey, because we tend to play those down as outliers. The key is to think about the people in your team, your community, your clubs, who may have been discriminated against or given less airtime or less opportunity because of our bias and our stereotypes. When we start to notice emotional, sensitive men and decisive, ambitious women, this contrast in what society's binary belief, you know, informs us is the, the reality gets blurred. And that allows us then to make a more considered response, almost as if we're, you know, choosing on the the 50 shades of grey, if you like, from that famous book, rather than these binary judgments of black and white, right and wrong, men and women. It's the subtlety that needs to be brought back. And then we have a considered response and not just the fastest response. So that's today's challenge as you run, slurp coffee or drive. Don't jump straight away into, you know, TV or back onto the news. Have a think about these areas where we're biased and where we can break our own bias. And we'll slowly start to find that we pause for the right thing and think through rather than just the easiest thing. That's so important just to take that moment. I think we're all in such a rush. We're programmed that we need to earn this money so we can buy this stuff and impress our neighbours and peers. But in this smash and grab frenzy, it's almost like we've overlooked these human relationships, which should be part of our definition of success. I mean, if we've learned anything from this coronavirus crisis, it's that we're not isolated as individuals. We're not, we shouldn't be thinking of ourselves as unique countries or or silos. This is a global pandemic. And Remember that philosophy of Ubuntu. The only way we can judge our success in life is by the impact we have on others. And that impact starts when we think about others, our beliefs about others, even before they speak. Are we giving everyone a fair chance? Most of my work in recent years has been with senior executives in global businesses or senior coaches in elite sport and helping them to create a high performance environment. So to build on these personal reflections that we've covered so far, I wanted to bring in some leadership insights about how we can actually start to challenge bias in our community, our team and our organisation. The first comes from a military setting and Colonel Lucy Giles, who was the first female college commander at Sandhurst Military Academy. Like any leader, Lucy's role is to uphold the expected standards of discipline and character for the cadets and not let them drift. This is an example of a leader taking personal responsibility for the culture that's created. You're the standard that you walk by, as we say here at Sandhurst. So if you do go past something that's looking untidy, if you and don't pick up the piece of litter... If you do go past someone who's forgotten to pay a compliment, they're in training, they do forget. But if you don't pick it up, 
you're complicit in allowing that standard to slip. So it's really important, I think, that um, you lead by example. And I think that that, in turn, will engender trust in your, not just your, you as a person, but in the organisation that you're representing. When I listened back to that clip, I envisaged Lucy spotting a sweet wrapper blowing across a courtyard and having that immediate choice to stop and pick it up or confront the person who dropped it or let it blow past in the breeze. So to stamp on it or to let it pass. And I think we all have that same choice to make in our own communities, our own teams, when it comes to breaking bias. Those small sneers, that lack of eye contact, turning your back on someone, talking over someone, a mildly racist or sexist comment could easily be allowed to drift across our culture. Or they could be stopped right there and then. This is our challenge. And again, we need to choose our response. Now, I didn't protest with a placard or black out my social media feeds. But equally, I didn't want to be silent because if I were silent, as Lucy Giles said, I'd be complicit. So I've created this podcast to share my thoughts, my reflections, and my commitment is that I will do more to challenge poor behaviour and poor words when I see and hear them from now. As we know, people judge us by our actions and not our intentions. So this is where I think transformational change can take place in our organisations. But this can be a really sensitive issue to confront. And litter comes in many shapes and sizes. And this insight from Joe Candola gives us some encouragement on how to confront bias when it blows across our teams. Unfortunately, when we talk about bias, it's, it's, it's not a comfortable subject. When we talk about race, it's not a comfortable subject. When we talk about sexism, it's not a comfortable subject. And you often get a number of reactions to that. You either get kind of a guilt or you know, a realisation, yeah, I'm biased, I'm a bit guilty, and I'm therefore really motivated to do something about it. You also will get a reaction where actually, no, I'm not biased, I don't believe bias exists, or I'm not biased, but other people are. Unfortunately, um, the people that have that that, uh, belief that either they're not biased or bias doesn't exist, it's very difficult to engage them in a conversation or start challenging it when you see it in them. And that can very much lead to conflict in the workplace. How you challenge depends on what the nature of the behaviour you're seeing. You know, it goes from actually, this is overtly wrong and we therefore we need to say this is wrong and it's inappropriate, it needs to stop. And there's that, that challenge, which is quite punitive in its nature versus actually these are subtle behaviours I keep observing in you and that's that's when the conversation is really important and that's about actually you don't challenge the individual you challenge the behaviour say I see these things over and over again what do you think's going on there you know could this be an explanation so you start positing different reasons why that might be getting them to reflect it's very much more of the coaching end of the spectrum when you get into that trying to get them to reflect on why is that? Why are we seeing that repetitively from you? Um, and trying to ease them up. And actually, then if that doesn't work, it's like then trying to get them to perspective taken. So how do you feel that person? How do you think that person feels when they see these or when your team sees these behaviours in these? Would you be happy to stand up in front of your team, for example, and say, I have no biases? Would you be prepared to do the announcement across the organisations? So often when you challenge people that say, I'm not biased 
you say to them, oh, you're quite happy to stand up in front of your team and say that. They won't. So some, there's of, it's, it's often not about... It's, it's a fear of accepting that and what that might mean for them in terms of change. So like any change process, you need to work with people at different levels of that, understand where they're coming from, what their fear is, and how do you move them along. But it takes time, you know, with people like that and a lot of effort. So again, it's, we're not a, a computer chip that can just be erased and reprogrammed to be fully inclusive and have this wonderful worldview. We've all had these experiences and we need to work slowly, first of all, on our, our awareness. I think for many people, they would be shocked at this bringing awareness to them that what we're saying or the way we're sitting or the way we're talking over people is really disrespectful to a particular group of people. And when we do it consistently, it shows something in our beliefs and our bias about those people or those groups that we're interacting with. So for the vast majority of people in the coming weeks, the protest will wane. But this doesn't mean the issue's gone away. And it's this ability to bring personal leadership to the issue, which I think is absolutely critical. And I think the quote that Mother Teresa gave is very apt here. She said, if each of us only swept our own doorstep, the whole world would be clean. So despite this being an ancient and global issue, we need to sweep the biased thoughts that litter our minds and stamp on the biased words and actions that litter our comments and our discussions and our team meetings before we worry about the mess that other people are making. So from here, we can either watch the news and think about those cops in that city, in that country, or that group of extremists. Or I hope today's insights provide another perspective where we watch the news and question ourselves, think about what our beliefs are, think about how we can start to increase our awareness and our awareness will allow us to have more choice. And when we pause between that stimulus and response to say, hang on, am I being inclusive here? Is this the kind of decision or comment that I want to make? then we should find that we start to transform the way we communicate, the decisions we make, and that clearly affects the culture that we then build within our businesses. You know, as Bina Candola said, we are all biased, me and you. And where those biases come into contact with other people from a multitude of backgrounds, cultures and perspectives, we need to ask, are we responsible? Are we able to choose our response, a response which unites people, not which causes even more division? Have we got the courage to be open minded and treat people fairly? This COVID-19 crisis has created a massive pause. And I hope that we can emerge wiser and more tolerant as a result. Thank you so much for listening. It's been an incredibly sensitive issue to try and tackle, but I hope you found this content useful in shaping your own thoughts and helping you to reflect on what's been a, a tragic week and a horrific situation all round. So please do share this on your social feeds and tag a couple of your friends in. I'll keep the conversation going on LinkedIn. My name's Jeremy Snape, Twitter at The Sporting Edge and Instagram, jeremy.snape. I'll make sure that I add some of the experts books 
and the Harvard implicit test into the show notes. And if any of you would like to use or access our digital content to help you break bias in your own organization, then we've got a lot of content on this particular topic. Then please do drop me a note through to hello at sportingedge.com. So until next time on Inside the Mind of Champions, stay safe and good luck.